Amen. Amen. Uh, we're gathered here in the church um, to do our, uh, our, our uh, service, or have our Christmas service, to do our Christmas service. I'm so confused preaching to the little red light. But listen, I recognize that the little red light is, is all of us together, gathered in our homes, gathered in uh, groups, gathered as families, gathered together. And I hope that you have had the opportunity to get ready to, to prepare your hearts to say, we are gathering, we are the church. We're just not physically in the same building, but it has never stopped us from being the church. Welcome to Christmas. This is the Christmas service for 2020. And on one half, uh, or one hand, I thought it would never get here. And on the other hand, it was like, oh, please hurry up. It's 2020, and I hope that you did not waste the time. Uh, this year, even amidst everything that was going on, I hope you still had an opportunity to celebrate, to have joy, to, to be excited about things. We are in our series, our Christmas series that um, I have been looking forward to, didn't know that we were going to end up doing it online, uh, but that's okay. There's a place there in my heart where the Lord said, Joe, right now for this time in December, I want you to yield. And I want to say that sometimes being a Christian isn't about standing up and fighting. Sometimes being a Christian is about yielding. And just for the record, over and over and over again, the Scripture talks to us about being taken advantage of and not losing any sleep over it. Jesus said if the Roman centurion demands that you take his armor a mile, just go ahead and take it the extra mile. If he thinks he's taking you advantage of you, go ahead and bless him. Okay, and, and these things go on. If somebody wants to rob you of your coat, give him your shirt. Go ahead and do that. God will give it back to us. So here we are at 2020, at the end of the year, and we are looking for gold in a cardboard world. And this world is not going to last. And this world is not my home. And this world is not what I'm hanging on to. However, this world is where I'm having fun, and I'm going to find a way to enjoy it. And I'm going to find a way to be in relationship with you as much as you want to, and you with each other. And we are still going to be the church of Jesus Christ on the earth. And I want to encourage you in that. We are looking for gold in a cardboard world, and we are at the um, Christmas message. We're here. I'm excited about Christmas Eve because that's going to be in person. Wear your mask, but come. We're going to give you a candle. We're going to not hug, but we're going to mm -mm, you know, virtually hug by bumping elbows or something. We're still going to be the church, and it's going to be an exciting thing. But let's talk about this. Let's talk about gold. Why looking for gold in a cardboard world? What's, what's that all about? And it simply is because this world is not the thing that we're looking for. Man, you're watching Hollywood, you're watching people, you're watching politicians, you're watching people all over the world fight to control this world that, I'm going to be honest with you, even going into 2021, I kind of hear the remnant, I kind of hear the distant sound of the trumpet being blown. I hear the hoofbeats of the four horsemen. I hear something going on in heaven. It has nothing to do with the politics of America. The kingdom of God is advancing violently. And violent men or forceful men or will lay hold of the kingdom of God. Another message for another day. 
But today we're here to recognize that why are we fighting for this world? We're supposed to be getting the gospel message out. And I am so thankful that we have been doing this, this work together with a staff that is absolutely wonderful. I don't know if you get to see them over here or not, but I want to introduce you to our staff. Are they not just absolutely amazing? Look at that, man. There's eight, eight, eight members of the staff here at church that we've been doing um, Christmas with, and it's absolutely exciting. And <clears throat> I was so excited to be thinking about December and what all we were going to do. And the truth of the matter is that's not the staff. That's the cardboard staff. And you don't want to come into church and, and, and come into them and, and walk up to them and talk to them. They're not going to have a discussion with you. This is not what you're looking for. What you're looking for is the real, the gold, the relationship. And you can't have a relationship with a cardboard staff. You can have a relationship with a real staff. You can't have a relationship with cardboard friends. You can have a relationship with real friends. You can't have a relationship with religion. But you can have a relationship with God. And that's the gold of the whole Christmas story, is being back. Now, you may or may not know it, but there are four Gospels, and there's not really four Gospels. There's four accounts of the same Gospel. There's Matthew, there's Mark, there's Luke, and there's John, okay? And so those are the four Gospels. And honestly, the Gospel is extensive, excuse me, the Christmas story is extensive in the book of Luke. It's pretty significant in the book of Matthew. It's almost non-existent at all in the book of Mark because Mark kind of starts where Jesus and John launched the ministry. And I used to think that um, the book of John really didn't have any Christmas story in it at all. But really there's a great allusion, allusion, not illusion, but allusion to Christmas in the book of John. And I actually want to begin there. The gold today we're talking about, the gold is in the manger. That's where the gold is. Look at the book of John, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. And right there, as we begin to read this, we recognize that it's talking about Jesus not being on the earth. And it goes on and says, through Him, through Christ, through the Word, capital W, all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that light was the light of all mankind, and that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome come it. Then it takes a pause and John begins to talk about John the Baptist, not himself. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. Um, he only came as a witness to the light. And here comes the Christmas story in a nutshell according to John. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world he was then in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came, Christ came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to them he gave, uh, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor a human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace. There's the Christmas story according to John. He was with God. He was God. He was coming. John was born, raised up, and testified that the Christ, the King, um, the Lord Savior is coming. And then he cuts back and says, and then the Savior was in the world, and the world did not know him. And that's the truth of the story of Christmas the glory of the one and only Son of God. That light has come into the world and nobody was aware of it for the most part. 
Light represents hope and a future for you and I. It means that this darkness that we live in is not all there is. It means that we can anticipate that God is still moving and something is going to happen. I've been thinking about gold a lot, not because I want it, but just because there is something that is precious. Gold is precious. And for us, Christ is precious. For us, the understanding that we belong to God is precious. The understanding that we are not here by accident, that, that we are not left alone, that we are not wandering around the wilderness if we don't want to be, is precious to us. It is gold to us. It is worth selling everything we've got to lay our hands on it and to own it and to be a relationship with it. The light has come into the world. Gold is pretty in jewelry stores, necklaces, rings and things like that but it's a lot like a turkey for thanksgiving believe it or not turkeys aren't born in the freezer section at at walmart they're not and gold is not found in jewelry stores initially the fact of the matter is and this is what i want you to get a hold of today the gold is found in the most unexpected of places Gold is found in the most unexpected of places back when that carpenter was building Sutter's Mill out in California he did not expect to find gold in the river, but as he's setting up this big water wheel because he was going to set this mill up for this man, um, he was Mr. Sutter's mill is what it was going to be. This carpenter is building this mill, and he looks into the river that's going to run the mill, and there's gold in there, just laying there in the most, are you ready, unexpected of places. There was gold just laying in the river. It wasn't in palaces, it wasn't in jewelry stores, it was just laying there. The fact of the matter is, gold is found in holes in the ground or underground or in the ground, and it's also found in river beds. This is what gold looks like in the wild. Have you ever thought about that way? It's gold in the wild. It's in this big quartz vein, and there's this big gold vein in it, and I believe that the largest chunk of gold in the world came out of that vein right there as I was looking for it, but this is what free-range gold looks like, wild gold. This is wild gold that you're looking at right here. You go underground to get it. You mine it. You dig it. You, you beat for it. You go to look for gold. It's found in the most unexpected of places, but it doesn't just fall into your lap. You've got to go. I was looking at the stats on gold in the United States, and I wonder, how much gold is there in the world? How much gold is in the United States. Where is the gold in the United States? Do you know where it is? Where's the gold that's in the United States? Well, if you watch enough Hollywood movies, you think it's all in the Federal Reserve in New York City. But check this out. The country in the world that has the biggest reserve of gold is, in fact, the United States of America. The U.S. gold reserves are 8,133.53 metric tons. That's how much gold the United States owns, not how much gold is in the United States. There is way more gold than that in reserves in the United States. But the United States owns 8,153.53 metric tons of gold. Now, we recognize that gold is sold by the ounce, right? You know, how many ounces is that ring, those earrings, those whatever it is. How many? So listen, just for those of you that need to know, in, in, uh, uh, in, in what I looked up, that is 261,498,926 um, point, point, ounces. Let me do that again. 261,498,926.230 ounces 
in the world. In 2019, that was worth $11.4 trillion. That's gold. That's how much gold we've got. When we think about the gold being in the world and the world not knowing it, there are $11.4 trillion worth of gold in the United States, and we aren't you know, always that aware of it other than the fact that we spend money. So where do you put gold? Where do you store gold? You store it in depositories. From what we know, the United States, the majority of the United States gold is held right here in Kentucky at Fort Knox. We have the majority of it, I think it's like six tons, okay? Just, just, just a little over six tons. And that's, the remainder is held in the Philadelphia Mint, the Denver Mint, the San Francisco Assay Office, and the West Point Bullion Depository of New York. Now, I, I still just kept thinking in my head, but wait a minute, but wait a minute. I know there's gold in the Federal Reserve in New York, and there really is, as a matter of fact. The Federal New, uh, Reserve in New York actually housed in 2019 5,620 metric tons. It, at one point, had, had way more than that in it, okay? But 5,620 metric tons of gold. Now, that's a lot of gold. But check this out. 98% of that, or nearly 98% of the gold that's in the Federal Reserve belongs to the central bank of 36 foreign countries. That's where it is. So as I, was, as I was looking at gold, one of the things that we would say is that gold is kept in precious places. It's not just thrown all over the ground. You don't just lay it around. It's in precious places. It's in depositories. It's in reserves. It's in vaults. It's in jewelry boxes that are stashed away. It's in vaults in people's homes stashed away. Why? Because it's precious and it's valuable. It appears that we know how much gold is in the United States that belongs to the United States. Did you, did you hear when I said that? That there are 26, uh, excuse me, 261,498,926.23 ounces. We know how much gold the United States owns down, as of 2019, down to the quarter ounce. That's how precious gold is. And we look at that, and so we have to say, yeah, gold has to be kept precious. It has to be kept safe. And yet the gold of Christmas is found in a lowly manger. Look at this story that we all recognize from the book of Luke as probably the most famous of the Christmas accounts. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will, be, will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising the Lord and saying, Glory to God in the highest! And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone to the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it, and they were amazed at what the shepherds say. Isn't that absolutely incredible? But the, the, most, the most precious, precious, precious gift ever given to the world is the baby, is God himself, Emmanuel, God with us, and he comes down here and he's not born in a depository. He's not born in a federal reserve. He's not born in a palace. He's born and he's laid to, to rest that night in the hay, we assume, in a manger, a barn, a cave, a corral out behind the inn somewhere. Or honestly, the way things were done back then, there's a chance that it was a corral that was underneath the inn or in the back of the inn. We don't know how big it was. We paint beautiful pictures about it and we make great Christmas cards about it. But here's this story of the most precious human being, God himself, ever born on the planet, born in the most unassuming place because while gold is found in the most unexpected places, God is found in the most unexpected places. And we need to lay a hold of that. A barn is a place that anybody can walk into. The miracle of Christmas is that God came and invites us to draw close. There's the baby in the manger, and we don't get the idea that Mary eschewed or pushed people away, but rather that she said, you know, invited them to come closer. Somewhere in the, in the, in the story of Christmas, it would have been good for Mary to share with us maybe a gospel account, and she could say, and then all of a sudden, these shepherds just came running in, screaming and hollering and making a bunch of noise after she'd laid the baby down to go to sleep or something who knows maybe she was still holding him when they came running in blabbering a hundred miles an hour about angels that had just appeared in a heavenly host and they were told and so they wanted to come and see and and they come running into the barn upsetting the quiet i know when our children were born we, we love the quiet after all of the birthing process and holding our little children. And, and then we just wanted to be left alone for a minute. But the grandparents and the aunts and the uncles and the sisters and the brothers, everybody wants to come in. And then you're still looking for that chance to just be quiet and hold the new baby and just forget the world for a while. And I imagine Mary was there too, but in comes the rabble, if you would. Here, here comes the shepherds screaming and hollering and yelling that something was going on. The baby was born in a manger. The richest man can come to the barn, but he will be a stranger, but he will be welcomed in. You can walk into a barn. Regardless of your economy, you can come to the barn. The poorest man is welcome, but for him, he's home. The shepherds, were it was just home. It's where they put the sheep sometimes. And they were welcomed as well. But if Jesus had been born into a palace, if the gold of heaven had been put in a cardboard world of artificial esteem and preciousness, then only the rich and the connected would have gotten to see him. And that's the, that's the Christmas story, is that there's a God in heaven that was born among the least of these, people from somewhere else, that he was born in a barn, and that the lowliest of lowly, the shepherds, could walk into the barn and see him and talk to his mom and dad and say, let us tell you what we just saw from heaven. God says from the manger that you are welcome to draw near to God. 
The gold in the manger would go on over the next 33 and a half years to represent a number of things for you and I. Jesus would begin to represent healing. For it seems that often wherever he went, he would reach out and offer healing to somebody. And we might say, why does God not do that today? And I would challenge you to say that God does do that today, but we don't take the seriousness of wanting the healing very serious. We do it in passing and say, God, bring me healing. God, protect me. God, forgive me. God, but we don't stop, turn everything off, and seek God who says, you will seek for me and you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. Not when you just seek for me on Sunday or in passing, but when you are willing to leave the sheep and come in and find me, I will be found by you. That's, that's the Christmas story from the manger. 33 years of forgiveness and proclaiming forgiveness even while the pastors of Jerusalem were grossly offended that who was this Jesus that he had spiritual authority to forgive people on the earth? Who did they think they were that he didn't? That Jesus came, the baby, the gold in the manger came to give people purpose, to bring the kingdom of God as the advent, the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, which is the now, soon to be the not yet. We know that while Christ came, he went back to prepare a place for us, but the day is coming when the trumpet will sound and the kingdom of God will crash in here and all of this will be gone. And from there out, we will only live in the reality of eternity. And that was the kingdom of God breaking in 2,000 and some years ago. But we anticipate the second advent when he comes again. Jesus came to bring us eternity and introduce us to it. He came, us, he came to bring us redemption by paying for our sins. The scripture will say that once for all, paying for all of the sin of mankind, the sins that I did commit, which I didn't commit till 2,000 years after he paid the debt, are the same, uh, it's the same payment, the same redemption that he offers me tomorrow knowing that I'll probably get up and have a bad attitude, snap at somebody, I will sin. And there is still forgiveness if I but ask and recognize my need as a sinner, that I need some of that gold of redemption. He came and, the gold, and showed us the gold of relationship, not just with God, but with each other where we are called children of the Most High God and we refer to ourselves. You remember, remember how we do that? We refer to ourselves as the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. We are a community. So to pass through this thing as we anticipate Christmas this week and being together, to experience the gold of Christmas takes effort. You ever wonder how many people pass by Jesus? How many people walked in, saw the barn, there was a baby born, they maybe heard it, and then they were like, I think there's a baby in the barn. And they went and looked in the barn and said, sure enough. And somebody said, it's the Son of God. And they said, and walked back out. It was a baby. How many people, when, when Mary was carrying him in maybe her little swath cloth or however she carried her baby back in those days, um, as, as she's walking around Jerusalem and he's a toddler and she's keeping, keeping him near, how many people passed by him and never saw the gold laying in the most unobvious places? How many people never saw that? 
See, it takes efforts. The shepherd said, let us go to Bethlehem. Jesus invites people, come follow me. Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of the Christ. So we keep hearing, follow, follow, come, see, don't be afraid. These are the things that invite us to seek God with our hearts, that there is something in the manger that is worth drawing near to. And as we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. Because God is looking for that. But we've got to look fat, past a cardboard world and fancy papers and boxes and bows and the, and the cards. And we've got to recognize the relationship that these things make. And we've got to allow the kingdom of God inside of our souls, out of the manger, into our souls. And then we have to release it, even when we feel like we're being taken advantage of. We've got to release it to the most of these and the least of these. We have to. Because that's what we've been called to do. Somebody took time to love us. And we recognize that love is a deed. When the word love is used scripturally, it's an action. In this, Christ loved us. Not he felt good about us and he was sitting having dinner and just had that loving thought of when he first met us and oh, he got the googly heart. and No, 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 no. In this, Christ loved us that he died for us. We recognize that the gold is the relationship and what he brings to you and I. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for in this, while we, while, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Now Paul's writing this to the Romans, and, and, and it would have been within the, the generations that would have known Jesus, or known about Jesus, and that he died for them. And he could say, we're still here and we're sinners. And while we were sinners, Jesus was on the cross dying for us. That's love, gentlemen, when you are willing to get up off your tuchus and do something. Tuchus is a fancy non-Greek word for the backside that you park in a chair, if you were wondering why I used the word tuchus. Okay? Don't have a clue where it comes from. Just heard it most of my growing up days. Love is an action. It's not a feeling. Love is what we do when we disagree with somebody and we don't take great joy in trashing them and being ugly to them. That's how we love them. Paul told Timothy, this is the gospel. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Notice he didn't say, uh, he didn't start at the beginning and say, born in a manger, you know, um, lived a perfect life, died on the cross. The miracle of the re resurrection is the foundation of our salvation. What would we have if all we had was somebody that was willing to die for our sins, but our lives ended as soon as we died? We would be the worst kind of religious people on the planet but we know that there is life after what we see here that this is cardboard and we're looking for gold a city whose foundation and whose architect is God that's what we're looking for and uh, Paul tells Timothy remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead descended from David this is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal but God's word is not chained therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory here is a trustworthy saying if we died with him we will also live with him if we endure we will also reign with him if we disown him he will also disown us if we are are faithless he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself and so you and I are challenged to dig into the gold that God 
And God's love is for you and I. We're called to do the work because what we receive is worth it. Can I give you a hashtag? I remember back in the day before my kids explained to me hashtags, I thought it was pound sign. So I did a whole series called Pound Sign, That's a Hard Teaching. <laughs> After the first message, I knew right away it wasn't pound sign, it was hashtag. But check this out. It takes effort to receive the gold of Christmas. Hashtag lazy Christianity is cardboard Christianity. It's just fake. We are called to get into the Word. We are called to love people who are mean to us. And then it even extends to people that, according to Paul, that will put us in jail and stone us and, and, and kill us. We're called to love them. That's a hard teaching. But it's what we're called to strive towards. If we're going to find the gold of Christmas, it takes caring. Dear friends, let us love one another, John says in the book of 1 John, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That he sent his son down here to die, not to feel good about us, not to wine and dine us, not to take us out to dinner, but to die on a cross is the evidence of the love of God in his son Jesus Christ. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And, we, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. We are loving. Jesus was never a doormat. Jesus never rolled over for anybody. Jesus never um, shied away from speaking the truth. He just didn't do it with a four-foot sword. He did it as an invitation to come away. Oh, listen, Jesus got sarcastic. So don't think that he didn't do that. Paul's got a whole chapter to the church in Corinth on how sarcastic he can get. But Jesus loved people, and that was his motive. The Scripture says there's no fear in love. Until we're ready to die, we really aren't going to live because we're going to live afraid of dying. And we're going to hide in our hovels. We'll hide in our houses. We'll hide in our caves. We'll hide and we'll forget to live. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. At the beginning of time, Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve, went out into the fields and Cain was jealous and he was envious and he was sullen and he was bitter and he killed Abel, the first murderer. And when God asked Cain where Abel was, Cain resounded in a very sour manner, and he said, am I my brother's keeper? Well, 6,000 years later, almost 7,000 years later, the actual answer to that in our day and age in the person of Jesus Christ is yes. Yes, we are 
our brother's keeper. Jesus told parables over and over and over to open our eyes to the fact that we need to open our eyes to those in need around us. Can you grab a hold of that? It's the purpose of the gold in the manger. Jesus told stories and parables over and over and over again to open our eyes to the fact that we need to open our eyes to the need in those around us. Yes, we are our brother's keeper. And as the church of Jesus Christ, we celebrate Christmas, the gold in the manger, the person of of the baby, Jesus Christ, recognizing that he grew to a man, that he took our sins upon him, and then he was crucified as punishment for my sins and the sins of all those who had committed sins before he ever lived so that we might freely come back to God. If you really believe in going to hell, Penn Gillette said, that's a paraphrase, when somebody gave him a Bible, he said, if you really believe that I'm going to hell, you would do something about it. And that person did. He was referring to a man that had given him a Bible because he believed. Now, Penn Jillette is an atheist. Penn Jillette does not believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. But he said that the person that actually handed him a Bible and asked him to read it, that that man must believe what he understands about that book because he was willing to do something about it. And so often we're not willing to be honest. We're not willing to be truthful. Sometimes we're just straight up not willing to share our own testimony about what God has done in our lives. And yet that's the gift that we bring to Mary and the gold in the manger. We have to be willing to give something up to help somebody out. And usually it's time and money. Money we can go earn some more of. Time we can never get back. So I count time as even more precious than gold. We've been called to make a difference. Hashtag gold for Christmas is in relationships. I know we can't get together. I know that everybody can't celebrate the way they want to. I know that you may not be going to grandma's for Christmas dinner. I know that things are going to be different this year. But that doesn't mean that you still can't observe and enjoy and embrace the gold of Christmas in relationships because there's nothing stopping us from getting as creative as we want to to make the most incredible memories that we possibly can. The gold is in the relationships, not the stuff. So if nothing else, it's okay for us to sit around and tell the stories of Christmases and our own relationship to the gold, the person of Christ in Christmas. The last thing that I want to share with you as we wrap this up and anticipate Christmas is that if we're going to embrace this gold, it takes grace. It takes grace. We don't always think about that. We, we think about receiving grace, but we don't always think about it takes grace. We need to give grace. And we don't usually remember we should have given grace until after the incident has passed where we didn't, especially with the people closest to us, our loved ones, our spouses, our children, our moms, our dads. Listen, this is not an adult conversation. This is a conversation for anybody that can hold an, a conversation about Jesus Christ and what he wants to do in your lives. I'm talking to you high schoolers. I'm talking to you elementary schoolers. I'm talking to you college students. I'm talking to you newly graduated, uh, um, newly married, whatever it is. That grace is for you to give, not for you to just get. We get it from God, we give it away. 
Freely you've received, Christ said, so freely give. Matthew 10, he's sending out the 12 disciples, and he sends them out two by two, and he calls them into the mission. And they're going out. They're being sent by their, 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 their leader. It's, it's, it, they're taking the, the, the earth by storm, so to speak, and he challenges them. He says, the kingdom of God has come near. Heal the sick. He didn't say try. He said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, Freely you have received, so freely give. What has God done in your life that it's okay for you to translate by freely sharing with other people? The shepherds heard the message, and they could have gone back to work and kept it to themselves. They could have talked for the rest of their lives about, hey, do you remember that day back 30 years ago when God showed up? But instead they went to tell people. If we are going to embrace the gold of Christmas then we've got to uh, understand that it takes grace and we've got to be willing to share. For us, investing in families as individuals and as a local church, investing in broken people, in lonely people, people that have screwed up and want to start over. My wife and I were talking about helping people the other day and it always seems that the people that need help are the people that made bad decisions. And it's like, because when I was young making bad decisions, I needed help. That's how you get to the place where you need help for the most part. Not always, but for the most part. And we're the church and we have something to offer. People that want to start over. People that are drowning in bad decisions, in debt, in loneliness. People that don't know how to love. Those are the people that we've been called to. I saw somebody trying to define mercy online. And, and I, just, I just prefer the way I saw this a long time ago. It just cuts right to the chase. Because somebody once said, justice is getting what you deserve. And Christmas is the understanding that we're not going to get what we deserve, but it's still coming. Justice is getting what you deserve. You don't want what you deserve. I deserve better than this. Man, stop saying that. Justice is getting what you deserve, and you don't want that. Mercy is not getting what you deserve, and on any given day, I would take that. But God came in the person of Jesus to me, who was a filthy, awful sinner separated from God by my own filth. I can blame anybody I want in my history, but at some point I have to take responsibility. Am I going to come near to the manger where the gold of heaven is, the gold of Christmas, or am I not? And it's up to me because grace is actually getting what you don't deserve. Justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. You're off the hook. But grace, grace is being invited into the palace. Grace is being invited in the presence of God. Grace is knowing that you've been washed clean and God's not holding anything against you. Grace is all of it combined together in a manner in which we can't fathom. Grace is standing in the ridiculous silence of a baby laying in a manger and knowing that you just saw heaven break through the clouds or the darkness or the stars or whatever it was, and you know what's in that manger, the Savior of the world. And the gold of Christmas is when you accept it. Gifts on Christmas morning don't mean anything until you take them and open them. And from there on out, you get to live with them, with the gold. And I would encourage you that that's what Christmas is. It's not the cardboard. 
It's not the cardboard. It's not the boxes. It's not the baggage. It's not holding on to bitterness and being angry. It's trusting that God gave you a house and he'll give you another one. Gave you relationships, he'll bring you into more. Gave you that coat, so give away your shirt. It's trusting when God asks you to let go of it. That he'll bring it back if that's what he needs for you. In the manger 2,000 years ago, we all want grace, but we don't always want to give it freely. We've received it, but we're afraid of not getting it after that. But that's the goal. And so now, in 2,000 and some years later, in the manger was grace, in the manger was mercy, in the manger was forgiveness, in the manger is redemption, in the manger is love and adoption, in the manger is a long-suffering God that you are not going to wear out because he has love to forgive you with because he died for you. At the end of the day, when we come to the last part of the gold in this particular sermon, hashtag the gold is in the giving. Will you give the love? Will you give the mercy? Will you give the forgiveness? Will you give the long-suffering? Will you give up the bitterness? Will you give because God gave to you and you recognize how precious that is? We want that for other people. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, then Christmas 2020 is just the perfect time to do it. It's just as simple as recognizing that your sin separates you from God, and God loves you desperately. And God wants to put his arms around you and welcome you back, but he can't until you're willing to, to let your sin go. But when we recognize that God came down here in the person of Jesus Christ, that he lived a perfect life and was sinless, though tempted in every way, just as we are, that he willfully and willingly offered himself up to people that did not know what they were doing, but they took him and for no reason crucified him, except that God knew the reason, that the perfect Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, died on a cross in a most horrendous fashion for you and I so that we can embrace the gold of Christmas, knowing that God welcomes us home and that when we sin, we confess to God, God, I'm a sinner. I plead and I cling to and I thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for my sins. I surrender. Here's my life, Lord. What do you want to do with it? Send me back into a relationship. Send me back into a job. Send me back into a circumstance where I can be the light of the world on behalf of the kingdom of God. And when you've done that, call a pastor. The next step is baptism, but that's Easter. <laughs> Let's pray. Who is God in heaven? We come before you and we thank you. We thank you that though we live in a cardboard world, we see glimpses of the gold in the love, in the relationship, in the gift giving, in the giving, in the providing for, in the going the extra mile that you've called us to. And so as we come before you right now, God, we thank you. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for joy. We thank you for peace. We thank you for carolers that show up from our favorite places. We thank you for friends that send us Christmas cards. We thank you for reconnections. We thank you for connections. More than anything, we thank you for the wonderful memories that Christmas has hold for us. But God, it's all empty if there's no Jesus.
It's all empty if we lie and say it's not about the Christ from Jerusalem, from Bethlehem, from the manger. And we try to make it about a Catholic priest a thousand years later. Hear us, O oh God, as we embrace your birthday and thank you for the gift that you've given to us. Be with those that are watching God. Be with us as a church. Be with our community. Protect us from this awful, ridiculous disease. Protect us from the awful politicians that are using it. I don't care who they are, God. Protect us from people that want to get power to take advantage of people so that they can get rich. Destroy their wealth, God, in the name of Jesus. And bring love back down here where we can share the kingdom of God. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless you and go in peace. Hey, I want to thank you. As we begin to wrap up, we've got one more message, but I want to thank you for being faithful givers, those of you that call Vineyard your home, those of you that want to give. Maybe you've got some end-of-the-year giving. I don't know what it is. You can go to vineyardrichmond.com, and you can find ways to give there. I don't need to go into them, but thank you. They're there. Just, just follow it. Just you know, click the give. Um, those of you that are looking for prayer right now, maybe God is moving inside of your heart, I want you to know you also can go to vineyardrichmond.com, and down in the lower right-hand corner, just click on that little green thing thing that says chat there is literally a real person there gold relationship that wants to pray the kingdom of God this Christmas down onto your life I know it's hard do not go through Christmas under a cloud of depression or anxiety or anything get help it starts with clicking that button give it a shot last thing is although I have yielded and and we are doing nothing in person in the church on Sunday mornings uh, this coming Thursday night yeah at 5 and at 6 30 join us for a Christmas Eve service with candlelight we are so looking forward to stopping the commercialization even though most, most of it's been click 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 maybe not travel 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 okay but we're gonna stop all the noise and we're just gonna celebrate God in God's presence with his Holy Spirit leading us and encouraging us through our worship teams through our readings through all the things that are gonna be going on through the message and and, and just through our being quiet in our souls and we want to join you I want to invite you to just just remember your your COVID protocols come on in um, but we're gonna need you to go on to vineyardrichmond.com and, and or the vineyard um, Facebook site and just click the events and let us know that you're coming so that we can make sure um, that we have enough candles one one year here it was touch and go the place got filled up and it was touch and go but we want to make sure we're prepared for you so if you could do that for us even if this is your church we would really appreciate that. And hey, I look forward to seeing you Thursday night. God bless you and go in peace. Merry Christmas to all of you.